0: Thank you so much for tuning in uh, this weekend. We're so glad that you've joined us. Uh man, here at Central, we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. And we just want you to know not only is that our mission, but we also want you to know something right up front: that we are imperfect people in progress. Uh, we're currently in this message series entitled How to Live Through a Bad Day. And this is this is week number six. Uh, but this week, before we, we get too far into the service, I also want you to know that in the midst of this, this global pandemic, in the midst of this this online experience, while, while the buildings are still uh, not reopened just yet, uh, the church is alive like never before, and God is on the move and doing a new thing like we've never seen Happen, and so so here, here's just a snapshot of a couple of things that that you the church has done uh, this week. Well, well, for for starters, our mission is being fulfilled as we've had had a few people begin a brand new relationship with Jesus this past week. Uh, we we've we've fed uh, some police officers, those who are on the the front lines uh, serving our community so well. Some meals uh, this week that that's awesome, and we also celebrated the city team graduation with the women graduating graduating. graduating from this this program and experiencing true life transformation. It's just so awesome to be a part of. And I'm just so thankful for you, the Central family, as you continue to make an impact in practical ways in the midst of very challenging times. Well, here in week six of how to live through a bad day, we're talking about about some things that aren't real pleasant, uh, but we all like life hacks, right? we're we're trying to to give you some life hacks today that can hack into some painful experiences. And and a life hack is simply a solution to to common uh, common problems there it is some common problems uh, if you here, here's what i mean and so so i'm going to give you 3 of them uh, you just keep your score and at the end of these uh, you can just post your score in the chat and uh, we might have something real special for the winner uh, this week of this little 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 uh, survey so here's the first one first life hack If you've ever had a paper cut, I don't know if you've ever had a paper cut, but paper cuts are pretty, pretty painful. Here's the life hack. You simply put a little bit of chapstick, some of this, some of this good stuff right on that paper cut and it'll remove the pain. Uh, Can you believe it? I didn't actually try that out this week, uh, but it said it on the internet so you know it's true. Second life hack is if you get a burn, uh, you burn yourself on the stove or maybe the barbecue grill this season, maybe while while making some Uh, s'mores. Here's the life hack just run your your hand under some cold water it'll feel good to your your finger to remove the pain and help it heal a little bit more more quickly uh here's the third one. Here's the third one. Uh brain freezes. Man, it has been a little toasty here in the bay uh this week and in other parts around the country here in the US. Uh so hopefully you've enjoyed some some slurpees or maybe some milkshakes, but but we all get brain freezes from time to time in the summertime. And uh, and what what they say is that apparently brain freezes are like mini migraines as as certain places in our throat get get so cold it it impacts the the blood vessels and the nerves and it and it produces like minor migraine uh, so here's the life hack the best case scenario is to drink some warm water uh, you know that'll help remove the brain freeze or if you if you don't have access to some warm water you can put your tongue at the roof of your mouth and you'll warm it up and it'll make it feel better or if you don't if you don't want to do that you can stick your thumb right in the roof of your mouth and it'll, it'll warm it up and make it make it feel better life hacks so, so tally those up, uh, one through three. Uh, most of you, most all of you, uh, actually everyone on this this, this live uh, uh, service is probably much smarter than me. So you probably knew all of those. Uh, I did not know about the chapstick; that was new, new to me. And if you've never had a paper cut in your life, I, we're just going to count that as two points. So that could be that could be the uh, differentiator right there. But tally those up, put those into the chat. We would love to hear from you if you're engaging on our, our, in our live experience. Well, those are some life hacks for some, some common problems, but throughout this series, we've been looking at some life hacks from Jesus as he navigates his worst day. We've been looking at seven statements that Jesus makes from the cross. And as Jesus navigated his worst day, we're pulling out principles that we can apply to our bad days to navigate challenging times as well, we're going to close close out this series, tie a bow on this series next week, week seven, the seventh statement from the cross, and I hope you'll you'll jump in and, and join us. This has been our theme verse throughout this entire series. It's found in Hebrews chapter twelve, and here's what it says. This is important not only for your bad days, but every day. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He, he both began and finished this race we're in. And and here's what I want you to know: you're in a race right here. Right now, wherever you're watching this, it's like you're on the track, you're in the game, you're in the race, and we're trying to learn from Jesus so we can run our race well. There's been a lot of people who have ran this race ahead of us. There's gonna be some generations that, that might come up behind us if, unless Jesus comes back real soon, uh, but, but you're, on, you're in the race. And if we're gonna run this race well, we wanna study how he did it. Let's go to this next slide here. He says, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. He never lost sight of, of his purpose, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever, and check this out, now he's there in that place of honor, right alongside God. And he's not just like hanging out. He's not just sitting in a lazy boy. The Bible tells us that he's actually there at the right hand of God making intercession for you. He's pleading your case. So on your worst day, he's like, oh, Father, we need to, we need to help Sarah. We need to help help Betty. We need to help Rhonda. We need to, we need to help Dave. We need to help, help them navigate their, this worst day. He's alongside God, interceding on your behalf. And when you find yourself flagging your faith, Here's the instruction, go over that story again and again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through, that'll shoot adrenaline in your souls. That's my hope for you today, as we study how he did it, that all of us would experience some fresh adrenaline in our soul, at the core of who we are, we get some fresh perspective to run our race well. Well, this is week 6 and we're looking at the sixth statement from the cross and here it is in John 19. Jesus says this, it is finished. It's finished. And and a lot of people mistakenly view this as the last statement that Jesus makes from the cross. However, this was not the last statement. We're going to look at that next week, but 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 here's what I want to highlight because it wasn't necessarily Over, Like he was still alive. He wasn't done laying down his life for you and for me. It was still in the midst of his worst day that Jesus makes this declaration. It is finished in the midst of his suffering, which provides us our lesson for the day. And here's the big idea. Be assured. That's my hope for you today, that you have some assurance by the time we're done here. Be assured there is purpose and an end. It's not gonna be this way forever. This too shall pass. But not only are you in the midst of it, there's purpose in the midst of the pain. There is purpose and there is an end. And really for me today, that's my prayer for you. I I I pray that God would speak to you if you're in the midst of a painful season, I pray He would speak to you over these next few moments, and we serve a God who still communicates with His people, and I believe He can do that today. That He can let you know, hey, here's the purpose of why you're in the middle of this season, and there's an end coming. I hope He communicates that to you. But even if on this side of eternity, even if if you never know why some painful things have happened in your life, if you never know, my hope today is that that you would have some assurance. That, that that you would trust something much bigger than yours. You would trust God who has a bigger outside perspective that there is a purpose, whether you know it or not, and it won't be this way forever. There will be an end. An individual that, that highlights this reality in in the Bible, I think, perhaps more than anyone else, is this guy named Job. And Job is a is a book right in the middle of your Bible, and, and actually in my, my annual reading plan, I try to get through the Bible once a year, and, and this week, I read the book of book of Job. And the book of Job is kind of like taking a shot of apple cider vinegar. I mean, I'm sure there's some medicinal purposes. I'm sure it's good for you. It's just not super tasty on the way down. Uh, but there's some, some good things that we can pull out. We're going to knock down some of the tall blades of grass from this, this, this book of, of Job. And it reads like Job, but it's pronounced Job. And so, so here's the deal with Job. Job is a man of integrity. Job lives this life that is honoring to the Lord. He, he, he has a beautiful family. He's one of the richest people in the land. And he does what is right, even when it is difficult. And yet Job experienced a very, very bad day. In one day, lost all of his wealth. One day, all of his kids were killed. A, a couple days later, some time goes by and he loses his health. And we actually read about this in Job chapter 2, and, and it says this, Job took some, some broken pieces of, of pottery and he, he scraped himself as he sat among the ashes. It's like Job has all these, the this sickness, his, his skin disease, and he's like using pottery to like scrape pus and nasty stuff off of his skin. I mean, you talk about a bad day, Job, Job lived through one. And I think it's interesting in the midst of this story, it's this dialogue back and forth in like the courts of heaven and and the devil and God are like, can devil's like, can I do this to your servant? And, and he's like, okay, I'll give you permission. And, and I just assume that the, the demons are there, like talking to the devil as well, like, 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 hey, boss, should we take out his wife too? And, and the devil's like, nah, we're going to leave her. And I'm a, I'll show you why. Cause here's why. Here's, here's his wife's advice to Job on his worst day. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Here's the advice. Curse God and die. Thank you. helpmate. Thank you. You talk about initiating the crazy cycle. And here's Job's response. He replied, uh, you're talking like a foolish woman. And now note here, he does not call her a foolish woman. He just says, if you were a foolish woman, this is how foolish women talk. You know, So, so we're learning from Job here. He doesn't call her foolish. He says, shall I accept good from God and not trouble? And Job maintains his integrity in the midst of a very very bad day. The first part of Job is historical. The last part of Job is is historical as well. And in between is kind of this poetic section of Job and and some of his so-called buddies as they're helping Job kind of process his pain and try to figure out what in the world is God up to in the midst of this very bad day. And if we could sum up that, that the, the bulk of the book I would say it is, is Job chapter 30 in verse 28. As Job, he, he says this, he says, I cry out to you for help, but you don't answer me. God, I, I stand up and, and you don't even, you turn your attention against me. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but maybe you can relate to Job. You're like, God, I'm, I'm praying. God, I'm crying out to you. God, I'm, I'm doing jumping jacks over here, trying to get your attention, but, but you're not even looking at me. And the whole middle section is kind of this lament. This is Job struggling through this very bad day. And he's kind of questioning like, God, do you even care about me? Do you see my situation? Do you know, do you know what I'm going through in the midst of this pain? And then we jump to Job chapter 38 and, and God responds. God talks to Job and he has some questions for Job to give him some perspective. And here's what it says. Uh, then the Lord spoke to Job out of a storm. And I just think that's cool. Like, you know what? Like, I'm not just gonna, t- I'm gonna talk out of, out of a storm because I'm God and I can do that stuff. And here's what he says. He said, said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? He's like, Job, do you, do you know what you're talking about? And he says, brace yourself like a man. And I got, I got some questions for you, Job. And you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations, the, the earth's foundations? He, he's like, Job, I'm just going to ask you some simple things, some things that are, are pretty plain, pretty basic. And I just, I, I just would like for you to instruct me. How was the earth's foundation laid, Job? Uh, tell me if you understand. Who, who marked off the dimensions? I mean, surely you know these simple things. Who, who stretched out the measuring line across it? Like, Job, tell me. Give me your perspective on this. Uh, let's go to the next one here. He says, uh, have you comprehended the vast expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know. I mean, what is the way to the abode of light? And, and where, does, where does darkness reside, Job? Like, can you answer these simple questions for me? C- can you take them to their place? Do, do you know the path to their dwelling? Uh, surely you know, for you were already born. And I just love the humor in the Bible. Look, he, says, he says, you have lived so many years. <laughs> That's funny to me. I just, I find humor in that. Like, the God who's outside of space, God is outside of eternity, he's outside of time. He comes to this, 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 this man named Job, and he's like, you know, you've been alive so long. Why don't you help me understand? And he continues to pepper Job with questions for the next two chapters. Job, how, how are the, the stars suspended in the sky? God, Job, tell me, how does the ocean only come this far? Job, how are the mountains formed? Sure, surely you know these things, Job. And he goes on and on questioning Job. And, and then Job gets to this place where, where we all get at some point in our life, I believe. And whether you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just checking out this this thing called church and just exploring the claims of Jesus, or maybe you don't ever intend to become a follower of Jesus. I just believe that at some point in our life, we all come to this place where we realize there is something much bigger than me out there. There, there is, is some deity that is so wide, There's so much order and structure to my own anatomy, much less the, 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 the stars in the sky and the, the fish. In the, I mean, there's, there's so much structure and order. God, you're a, you're a big God and Job gets some perspective in the midst of his worst day and he's like, my fault, my, my bad. We read about this in Job chapter 40. It says, then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. I, how, can I, how can I even reply to you? Matter of fact, I'm just going to put my hand over my mouth to keep me from, from saying foolish things again. And by the end, this guy who's really had all these things happen to him that had all these awful, awful things. You think about what he had and what he lost and this whole process of journeying through the pain. And then he comes to some conclusions. And Job gives us some perspective on on God and and navigating a bad day and and realizing that that there is purpose and there's an end. And whether we see it or not, God is a God who is at work. And he he says this in, in Job chapter 42, It says, then Job replied to the Lord, I know, I know. I just want to pause right there because those are two very strong words. He doesn't say, I had a buddy tell me. He doesn't say, see, I read about this in a book. He doesn't say, I I, I heard someone say this once. He said, no, 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 I'm convinced. I have some assurance. I, I, I know that God, you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. He goes on. He says, As you ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke about things I do not understand. God, your knowledge is so far beyond me. Things that are just too wonderful for me to, to even wrap my head around. He said, man, I, I, I heard about you before, but now I've, I've seen you. I've experienced you. And Job gives us Three attributes of God that is vital for us to hang on to in the midst of our bad days, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the unknown, and the ambiguity of life. And I want to talk about these three attributes. He he says, God, you're all-powerful. God, you're all-knowing. And God, you're always always present with me. And here's the first attribute we're going to look at today. God is all-powerful all-powerful if you want the, you want to take some extra notes the, the theological term is omnipotent now, omni means all potent powerful god is all powerful and i don't know about you but if this season has taught me anything it's taught me that i am not in control my personality is one that i like control I like, I like predictability. I hate being surprised. I like to have a plan in place and know where I'm at in that plan and what's the next step along the way. But man, this season of shelter in place and COVID-19, like it is highlighted, it is reinforced. It has smacked me in the face with the reality of, Tim, you are not in control, but there is an all-powerful God who is in control. And here's my challenge for me personally, and I suppose perhaps a challenge for you as well, that whenever my last When my level of control goes down, sometimes I can question, God, are you in control or not? And I would just submit to you, and here's what I've been telling myself, Tim, just because you feel like you are out of control, that does not mean that the all-powerful God who created the universe is not in control. If anything, it highlights that he's God and I am not. I love this little video, this little lady, her name's uh, Mealy, and, uh, and she, 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 she talks about her first day of preschool, and, and I thought this would be appropriate, because Mealy likes to be in control just like me, and I'm sure some of you, and, and parents, students, man, you are at the finish line of one of the craziest years of school ever, so I thought we, we'd check out Mealy and hear what she has to say about her first day at preschool. Check this out. yesterday. My mom had some news for me. She signed me up for preschool. What? I told her I want to go to law school. So we get to the place and I'm shook. I walk in. I'm like, the teacher's the Kids are insane. But I'm still alive. I get my seat. The teacher is like, Dave, we don't pee on their pants. So now Dave is triggered and Chase is with scissors. It was a mess. I have to do something. So nap time. Checkmate. Well, that's awesome. That like Mealy and many of us, we, we like being in control, but, but I think for all of us, we have to come to this, this place like, like Job landed, and, and many of us find ourselves in this season where we just realize, I'm not in control, but, but there's an all-powerful, omnipotent God, and He is in control, Remember in Job 42, he says this, uh, I know, I know that you can do all things. Nothing's too hard for you. Colossians 1, 16 through 17 says this, for everything, absolutely everything, and in case you missed it, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before, before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together at this very moment. In other words, he's saying he, he, he's got the whole world in his hand. Like, like he, he it might not look like he's in control, but he's, he's holding it all together up to this very moment right here, right now. He's holding it all together. We may not see it. We may not understand it, but it's happening as I speak. And for me, I have to lead myself to this place. I have to remind myself of this liberating truth. Here it is. I'd rather have hope in an all-powerful God than certainty in a very limited me. Two choices. You can hope in an all-powerful God rather than have certainty in a very limited you. Or you can put your hope in a very limited you and ignore the reality of a very powerful, all-powerful, all-powerful God. One leads to a liberating truth. The other one, man, just leads to more frustration and clawing for control. The second, second attribute of God that. That Job highlights and want to talk about today is this. Uh, God is all-knowing. He's, he knows all things. He's, he's all-knowing. Uh, a, a $5 theological word, he's, he's omniscient. Omniscient. Omni mean all. Uh, this, this is where we get our word science from. It's all knowledge is found in him. He's all-knowing. And remember Job's conclusion. He, he said, God, I, I knew some things about you, but honestly, I was way out of my league. I, I didn't have a clue because, God, you know it all. Hebrews 4, 13 says this. He knows about everything, everywhere, everyone everywhere. Everything about us is laid bare, wide open for, to, to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing, nothing is hidden from him. He, he knows it all. And here's the liberating truth for us today. You never need to be afraid to trust an unknown future to an all-knowing God. You never need to be afraid. In the midst of ambiguity, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of this crazy season when everyone's asking what's happening, we never need to be afraid to trust an unknown future to an all-knowing God. He's still in control Here's the the next one um Says this, uh, God is. Here's the the third attribute that, that, that Job gives us. So the first one he says says God, you're all powerful. I'm not. Uh, you're all knowing. I'm not. And, and the third attribute is is you're ever present. He said, Man, I, I heard about you, but now I've I've seen you. You're you're everywhere. You see me all the time. You're you're omnipresent is the theological term. Omni means all present he's everywhere all the time he sees you right now wherever you are watching this he sees you he's with you he's present in the midst of the loneliness if you're if you're in a lonely spot in the midst of the pain if you're in an uncomfortable situation or uncomfortable season in the midst of ambiguity in the midst of uncertainty in the midst of the unknown God is present he is omnipresent he is ever present Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 13. Never, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, we can have confidence today that the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere people do to me? God is with me. Never will he leave me. Never will he forsake me. Isaiah 42 says this. uh, When you go through deep waters, and you're gonna go through some deep waters, Here's the promise. I will be with you. Uh, When you go through the rivers of difficulty, and and you will go through some difficulties, you will not drown though. Uh, When you walk through the fire and it's gonna be be uncomfortable, the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. Uh, The flames will not consume you for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, and I will be with you. Jeremiah 1.8, you're gonna see a theme here. Uh, Do not be afraid of them. I'm with you. I'll rescue you, declares the Lord. A few verses later in verse 18 says this, they will fight against you. And that's the unfortunate reality. There's going to be some people in life that want to fight against you, but they will not overcome you for I am with you. I will rescue you, declares the Lord. And then we get to the the gospel. This is Jesus, the the great commission. If you're you're wondering what in the world is my purpose right now, like what am I supposed to be doing with my time? Well, Jesus outlines it very clearly in in Matthew 28. and, And Jesus came to his disciples and he says, I have I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, here's the purpose: go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And check this out, I will be with you always. Be sure of that. Be sure I am with you even to the end of the age. Here's the liberating truth for us all today. When I know God is with me, I can face whatever's against me. If you know God is with you today, you can face whatever is against you. I mean, think about the reality of that statement. The God who created the universe, who knit you together in your mother's womb. He's seen everything that you've ever done. He's all powerful. He spoke in like the starry host, the earth, the cosmos, all that we're still discovering new realities in. He spoke by the breath of his mouth and he says, I am with you. And, and if he's with you, I'm just saying, what is too hard for God in your situation? So there's this guy named Paul in the New Testament, and he, he wrote a, a lot of the New Testament, about two-thirds of the New Testament, but Paul himself had some very bad days. And in the midst of one of his bad days, while he's in prison, he makes, makes this statement in 2 Timothy 1.12. He says, I am suffering. Like, <laughs> This is not a comfortable spot to be in. Yet I am not ashamed because here it is again. I know, I know. It's not, it's not a theory. It's not, it's not someone told him. It's not some instruction that maybe he picked up somewhere along the way. No, no, he knows from, per, because I know personally deep down in his knower, he knew in whom he had believed. And he, I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that Day. He was convinced, and even on a, a bad day, Paul was convinced of some things in the presence of his pain that changed his perspective, his current reality, and he realized, oh my goodness, there is purpose and there is an end. And I want to give you four confessions to make this week that will remind you on your worst day of some of these realities. My hope is that that these aren't just things that we say, but that we would be convinced, that we we would know, we'd be convinced that these are realities in our life, whether we feel like it, whether we see it or not. Here's the first one. This might be simple, but it's a reality. I know God loves me. And here's why you need to say this out loud for the next five days, because on your worst day you're gonna question this. I don't know if God really loves me, because it doesn't really feel like it sometimes. But in the midst of, you gotta overcome your your feelings with faith and, and and speak with words of confidence. And there's this book in the Bible called Lamentations and. I just think it's funny that there's an entire book of the Bible devoted to complaining, to to lamenting. And there's this guy named Jeremiah, and he he wrote this book of lamentations. And he's in the midst of his complaining in chapter three. He says this, I I better pause on my complaining because yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. You need some hope? Here it is. Because of the Lord's great love, there it is, we are not consumed. His compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We gotta know that God, he loves me and his mercy. It's fresh every morning. The second confession that I'm inviting you to make for the next five days is this. I know that God wants the best for me. I know he wants the best for me. Romans 8 uh 31, and, and pick it up in other verses in this chapter. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? I just love that question. If you've been here in our, in our, in our live gathering, you know I like to ask this question often at the end of our, our services. Like, like, if God is for us, like, who can be against you? Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also along with him graciously give us all things? Let's go to the next slide here. Uh, Does it mean then that that he no longer loves us if we have trouble? That's the question. If I experience trouble or calamity or or are persecuted or if I go hungry or if I'm destitute, if I'm in danger, if I'm threatened with death, like does that mean God doesn't love me anymore? No, 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 no. No, despite all those things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who Loved us. Overwhelming victory is yours through Christ. You got to make the confession, even on your worst day, that God, you want what's best for me. You love me. You want what's best for me. Here's the third one God, I know you have a plan for me. I know you got a plan for me. And here's what I think is fascinating, and one of the most popular verses in the Bible when it comes to God having a plan is in in Jeremiah 29 11 but here's what here's what you might not know about Jeremiah 29 11 when God gave this this word to the nation of Israel through this guy named Jeremiah the nation of Israel was in captivity they, they were held as slaves they were exported from their from, from the land they're in a foreign land and, and, and in the midst of their pain in the midst of their uncertainty I'm sure they're wondering God where in the world are you For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. It's vital for us on our worst days and in every day of our life, we know God loves us. God wants, he's got good things. He wants the best for me. He's got a plan for me. And here's the fourth one and the final confession I'm inviting you to make this week. God will bring me through. God will bring me through. Listen, here's the reality. If God brought you to it, he's going to bring you through it. That's not just cliche. That's reality. God will bring you through. It's an interesting passage in 2 Timothy uh, 4.18. And, and it's some hand, on one hand, it seems confusing, but, but let's read it and we'll talk about it. Uh, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. Awesome. I like that. And will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Awesome. I like that. To, to be with him, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so, so my question when I read that, I'm like, okay, God, what is it? Are you going to rescue me? Or are you going to bring me safely into heaven? Like it is my life here over? And the answer is yes to both. God can rescue you right now. He's still in the miracle working business. And some of you, I know what you're going through. Some of you, I know it's a real struggle. Some of you, I just want you to know, I'm praying for a miracle in your situation and I hope he rescues you because he can do that. But for some reason, sometimes he, he chooses not to. He chooses this. He rescues us by bringing us safely into a heavenly kingdom. I was talking with, uh, we were meeting with our group a few weeks ago, and um, and Daniel, Daniel Thomas actually brought up this observation. He said this, he said, every individual in the New Testament that ever experienced a miracle of Jesus, that was ever healed, they still died. I thought, huh, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way. But here's the reality. If our hope is always here, God rescue me so that I never die That's not Christianity. Christianity is saying, God, I hope you rescue me, but if you don't, I know you're gonna rescue me in another way. We have hope beyond this life. It's not just for right here, right now. We trust all that we are, all our hopes, all of our dreams into the all-knowing hands of our loving heavenly father. He's got good things in store for us, whether we see it or not, and ultimately... Whether he rescues us on this side of eternity or he rescues us by bringing us home into a heavenly kingdom, God has good for you. He brought you to it. He will see you through it. That guy I mentioned earlier named Paul, he he, he lived with this mindset. And at one point in his life, these people were trying to kill him for, for, for teaching the gospel, for helping people find and follow Jesus. And Paul made this statement. He's like, man, I, I, I for me, like I would much rather go to heaven and go to that, that heavenly kingdom. Let's go back to that other verse. He's like, but, but, but for your benefit, I think I'm gonna stay here because more people need to find and follow Jesus. And I'm just saying like, he's like sticking out his neck. Like, oh, you want to kill me? Like go for it. Cause that's all good. I, no more pain, no more struggle, no more hardship. But while I'm here, I'm in the struggle. While I'm here, I'm looking for a harvest. While I'm here, I, I, I'm trying to help people find and follow Jesus I'm living on. On mission, And what do you do with a guy like that? Nothing. Because he knows God either way will see him through. True for Paul, it's true for you. Here's the big idea. Here, here's the, the primary liberating truth of this entire message. If we could boil it all down into a sentence, this would be it. If you jumped on social media, on your phone while watching this, if you, you're eating some chips, I'd invite you just to pause for a moment and hear this liberating truth Here it is. My struggles have a purpose and my pain has an end. Your struggles have purpose and your pain has an end. It will not be this way forever. There's purpose. There's an end. And maybe you're watching this and you're saying, man, that all sounds awesome to him. Like I I want to believe that God loves me, that he wants the best for me, that he has a plan for me, and he's going to see me through, but I don't, even know, I don't even know God right now. And for you, it would simply be a matter of, of confessing with your mouth who Jesus is, believing that he's, he's going to be the boss of your life. You're going to let him call the shots and, and confessing with your mouth that that's the reality and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And, and the Bible says that if you do that, that you'll be be rescued. You'll be, be saved. And, and you can begin that journey with Jesus right here, right now. And everything that I've been talking about today can be true for you in the midst of the ambiguity, in the midst of the unknown and uncertainty of life. You can have certainty in an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God today with you. And if you want to begin that journey with Jesus, I would simply invite you to say a prayer along with me to do that, to confess with your mouth who Jesus is. So if that's you, let's, let's pray together. God, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe that he died on a cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. So now God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Now you say this to him, Jesus from this day forward, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if that was your prayer today, you wanna to begin a, a real relationship with Jesus, I wanna invite you to text one word, just text Jesus to this number on the screen right here. Text 408-944-5402. That's 408 944 5402. Just text one word Jesus and and someone from our team will be in contact with you this week to talk through some next steps. And I just want you to know if that's your decision, man, we are celebrating with you big time because you better buckle up, Buttercup. You're you're in for the ride of your life. God is in the life transformation business and welcome to the family. Hey, for all of us, here's our next step. All of us need to take action whenever we hear God's word taught and here's what I'm asking you to do. For the next five days, I want to invite you to make these five confessions every day out loud. I'd invite you to even make them into the mirror to, to make sure you, you see it, make sure you hear it, make sure you believe it. And this is the confession. I know that God loves me. I know that God wants the best for me. I know God has a plan for me. I know God will bring me through. And here, here's what I also know. I know my struggles have a purpose and my pain Has an end. I invite you to make these five confessions over the next five days because here's the reality this is true for you.